la la. There's Lou. Hi, all. Welcome. It is Monday night, generational change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter. And when we say that the left really doesn't know what they're doing in <laughs> politics, we really, really mean that. But this is an upsetting situation to me. It is a very upsetting situation. Um, we're not going to dive head on into it right now, but as all of you do know, and we're going to be covering it extensively later on this evening, uh, a very big hero for both of us, Dr. Cornell West is running for president of the United States, which we both think is an excellent idea. Problem is, okay. is that running with the worst possible banner is not, well, probably the Mises Caucus would be the worst possible I mean, there's banner, worse. But- it's definitely not a winning strategy for no. sure. Oh it's going to be. Um, <laughs> well, it Steve, makes me so you're sad. Right, Steve, you're right, Steve. It is. It is. Uh, it is certainly not the circumstance that we want. Rob, I'm not averse to that idea. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. I'm not averse. At, at this point, I'm all right with that. But what I will say, and I think that this is very important, it's a very good segue into our conversation that we are leading off tonight with, and that is. You know, one of the organizations that we were very keen on, I would say, uh, especially when Jen ran for Congress and what was ultimately becoming a really big advocacy group on behalf of Bernie Sanders when he ran the second time was the Sunrise Movement. Unfortunately, as we know, as we watch the evolution, if you will, of the Sunrise Movement, they ultimately decided to lock arms almost in lockstep with the Democratic establishment when they endorsed Joe Biden and got zero concessions. And as we have seen over the course of President Biden's administration, he has effectively been worse on the environment than even Donald Trump was. If that's oh. easy, if that's even possible. No, for, for sure. No, that's exactly right. I, if I always tell people, if I were just to put the credentials and what yeah. they've done on paper without the name or the party, that all of my, you know, progressive Democrat friends would, would be supporting Donald Trump over Joe Biden. If we were just looking at them on paper in so many ways. Yeah. Unfortunately we are caught in this absolute quagmire. That is the devastating two party duopoly that we all want out from under as quickly as possible. But certainly one of the ways that that's going to happen is through the interlocking of the labor movement and the environmental movement. And the person we are bringing on knows a thing or two about that because there is an up and coming organization that is pulling absolutely no punches whatsoever, taking it right to the heart of what the real problem is, which is both sides of the aisle. And you'll see with a couple of clips that we're going to play. How new is how new are they? Climate defiance is very new. And our wonderful guest, Riley Haught, is going to be able to explain as such. Okay. The environment is a crucial, crucial issue, maybe the biggest alongside healthcare that we deal with on a daily basis. And if anybody knows a thing or two about it, it is us being in the Sunshine State and more specifically being in Southeast Florida, where sea level rise is literally a crisis to the point in which insurance companies are simply fleeing the state. So needless to say, it is of immense importance to each and every one of us, but we are very much looking forward to this conversation. Climate defiance is the new wave action, and we are certainly hoping that they stick to their principles for as long as they're involved. Riley Hodd, welcome to Generational Change. Hi, thank you so, so much for having me. I appreciate all the, the kind words. No, absolutely. And, you know, we see this time and time again, and I know you've seen it. You you have these really good organizations that start out with the best missions and the best intentions. And then in order to start really raising money, you end up becoming like this more of this machine. And then we see these organizations that were great that are now just serving to make payroll. 
and they're not really doing anything anymore. And in fact, they're becoming part of the problem. And it's hard. I mean, I, I see the dilemma in it, like to get to a certain size, like I see it, but, you know, explain how you guys, like how you, how this came about and where you see this opening, because I see it. Um, but only because people keep getting sucked up out into like the, you know, the basically establishment vortex. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is such an important note and why we launched because those conversations were happening, like are the current climate movement in in the United States, are they really meeting the urgency? And no, I, I don't think that other orgs are and they were. And I, yeah, I see people kind of sliding into that slope of like, how do we appease big donors? And I think one aspect that we'd like to really focus on is trying to garner small dollar support um, so that we don't get caught in that trap because we know that is going to be um, increasingly as we, as we gain in numbers and support, we're going to ultimately be pushed to try to de-radicalize ourselves. And that's something we've actually had like a lot of combos around recently. So yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Yeah, no, and please stand firm and know that there are people like I, if you stand firm with your message, the money will come. See, this is something I truly believe that like people appreciate and respect that, that you have to just count on that there are more people that support what you're doing than don't. And there are. And that eventually you will be able to get there. Like I, and I also think that a lot of egos get involved in these organizations and we've seen it over and over where people cannot come together to get anything done because everybody cares more about the credit of who gets what. Right. And that is also something I think that gets in the way of some of these organizations. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we've been, you know, partnering with orgs that are, are ready to throw down with us um, and haven't necessarily experienced too much of that yet. But um, yeah, yeah, I I don't know what else to add other than we will, we will stick firm and be radical and uh, put it in these people's faces. Just how, I mean, literally like murderous their actions are like they, they're, when we say they're committing ecocide, a lot of people who don't necessarily understand yet or fully conceptualize, you know, what climate justice really means. It's like people are dying in West Virginia. That's what got me into climate justice is just seeing the sheer number of people who are suffering with diseases that are kind of shrouded from that cloud of like, there is guilt to place. Mansion is so complicit in this um, and responsible for so much of this that it really angers me. And I just really wanted to make that connection for a lot of folks in West Virginia who also just feel like they can't even speak out. Um, I have faced financial um, punishment from my own family members over this. I have been ostracized. I feel unsafe when I go back home. I feel like there could be eyes on me at all times now. And that reality is something that a lot of people don't have the privilege or access to even face or, um, yeah, to even just say, like, I don't support fossil fuels can put people's lives in danger in Appalachia. And, um, so yeah, that, that's kind of the, the reason that I got into it and feel so compelled to remain radical and firm in that, like these people are 
they don't care about the human suffering that goes on behind their policy decisions. Are you there? I'm, I'm sorry, before you go, like, are you there? Do you live in that, that region? So I'm from Parkersburg, West Virginia, which is along the Ohio River. And, you know, the most direct. It's not us. No, but hopefully that's just temporary. Okay. So let's bear with it for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Hello. Am I back? Oh, you're back. Good. I was just glad it wasn't us. No, no, no. Sorry. Somebody was calling me. Um, So yeah, I'm from Parkersburg, West Virginia and like the most direct um, results of, of living in like the Ohio River Valley is um, C8 in our water, chemicals in our water from the chemical plant DuPont um, that has been oh. illegally disposing of these really dangerous and harmful chemicals, um, cancer causing chemicals in our water since before I was born. And um, yeah, I found out from a really young age that I believe one of the largest scientific studies was ran because of this disaster um, and found out that all across the world, everybody now has a certain level of PFAS, which is like forever chemicals yeah. in their blood. It doesn't matter where you're from. And uh, fun fact, it originated in Appalachia. Um, and so, yeah, that's wow. that's my like specific fight. Um, the Mountain Valley Pipeline really goes through the heart of Appalachia, through like our, our oldest mountains, some of our steepest mountains, which is bizarre to me. Um, it's so, the yeah, most I'm dangerous, it's the most dangerous and it, and it has the most vulnerable people already in this country at risk. That's what it is because that's what they do. Yeah. West, West Virginia is more or less the eye of the hurricane, but it's not ju- just West Virginia. It's Western and Southern Pennsylvania. It's, uh, Western Maryland. It's obviously Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky specifically. We saw what happened with East Palestine. I mean, that's just this particular pipeline. I mean, we could talk about, I mean, it's basically I, poor vulnerables. So basically people who are running through Appalachia, through the Carolinas, um, you know, let's talk about the Mountain Valley Pipeline and just how bad this is going to be. We live in a horrifically bad political ecosystem that protects the Democratic establishment, especially this current president, um, in the worst, most callous way possible, uh, making it seem like this so-called debt ceiling deal, which was a complete disaster. Uh, Just with the Mountain Valley Pipeline alone, Can you better educate the audience as to just how bad this is really going to be once construction really kicks into high gear and what the long term effects economically and environmentally it can mean to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, the route that the Mountain Valley Pipeline goes through is a route that is, you know, the southern coal fields. It is these areas that have already been completely damaged by mountaintop removal, which causes 40% lack of biodiversity Mm -hmm. in the downstreams from those mountains. Um, So it's really just like putting salt on an open wound. Um, And this pipeline alone would be the equivalent of adding, I believe, 19 million cars to the roads annually um, or adding new, like 29 new coal plants. Um, It's ridiculous. And people like Manchin will tout that natural gas is ultimately better than coal. But we know these pipelines are leaky. Um, We also know that the areas of the Mountain Valley Pipeline will go through, 75% of the areas they're going to go through are highly susceptible to earthquakes and mudslides. We're the number one state for landslides. And these people think putting a, a pipeline 
<laughs> weaving it up and down on like slopes that I don't even think we've like tested on this kind of like steep incline. They think that's just going to like stay put. Like it's not, it's going to leak. It's already been leaking. I know you said like once construction picks up, but the reason this project has been delayed for so long is because they already started construction on it and they'll lie and say they're 95% done. They're not. They still have over 500 streams and rivers and wetlands to cross. Um, and yeah, it's, it's already doing so much damage. I know a frontline uh, West Virginian named Mari Johnson spoke to Democracy Now! about this and it was really powerful, but he literally can't shower. He can't drink his water and yeah, the pipeline isn't even done, you know? Um, so the impacts of this, I, I can't even imagine, but it's so infuriating to know our history in Appalachia, the things that miners fought for to still be treated as an extraction colony in 2023 feels extremely dystopian. It feels like it is just, gosh, it is like spitting on the people who need the most help. It's like punching us when we're down and I'm, I'm like really devastated by it. Yeah. Well, you guys, you're district 12. I mean, I've always thought like when I read that book, that was what that, which is people who don't know I'm talking about the Hunger Games. Like when I read it, what came, when I was thinking of District 12, uh, well, first of all, I know it was filmed in North Carolina because <clears throat> it was filmed near where I go in the summer. And, but that's what I picture is that like the forgotten, just it's where it is the most abused part of this country by this country. And I, are you familiar with the documentary that Eleanor Goldfield did? about that whole area, about the mountain stripping and all of that in West Virginia. Are you familiar with that documentary? Oh, gee, there's been a lot. Um, so I don't know. I honestly haven't watched too many documentaries because I, I really started from like lived experience and I've only been yeah. organizing for about two years. Um, so I am continually learning more and more about the history of Appalachia and, uh, yeah, so I haven't seen too many documentaries, but I've talked yeah, to no, a whole lot of people. Yeah, no, she specifically did one about the stripping of the tops of the mountains there and the damage that that's been doing and and what that has meant for them. So, which is real, and it was only, we had her on the show a couple of years ago when it came out, but it was just really yeah. It's when you when you said ripping off mountaintops, I'm like, yeah, we learned all about that. Mm -hmm. I'm curious uh, where you stand on nuclear power because I think that this is a very key ingredient. There are a lot of people on the populist right that are very much in favor of nuclear power and they are not opposed to getting to a net neutral uh, carbon emission. Uh, I think that this is one of the ways to really bridge the divide. We also have to acknowledge the fact that solar and wind in terms of their raw materials still involve a heavy dose of cobalt and lithium mining, which destroy the environment, uh, not as much as coal and natural gas do, uh, but still a considerable issue. Obviously, the goal when it comes to solar power is going to be the ability to create the panels with sodium chloride, of which we have an, you know, an endless abundant supply of, of that particular mineral. Uh, but unfortunately, we're not there as of yet. And we all know some of the reasons we don't actually get there sooner rather than later is because Capitol Hill has a big oil lobby that will stop at nothing to prevent our ability to evolve on how we do energy extraction. So where do you currently stand regarding nuclear power? Um, good question. Maybe not something I have the most expertise on to be fully transparent. You know, I, 
uh, studied psychology and addiction studies in college. And so that's really where my expertise come from comes from, um, is just really seeing the devastating after effects of fossil fuel projects and companies on Appalachia. And so I feel like in any industry we're talking about, as far as energy goes, like truly at the end of the day, I just want to see the health and safety of people put first. And that's not currently happening in West Virginia. So like if there's a path forward that is, you know, bringing us to net zero faster than 2050 and, you know, create space for fossil fuel workers in Appalachia to transition. Um, that's really what I want to see. And I don't have the most knowledge on like how we get there, but I think it's important to note that that is like literally the job of our representatives. And because of the fact they're so beholden to these corporate interests, we're not getting anywhere. These conversations are just being had with like, like us, you know, like people who don't necessarily have the institutional power to do something about it. Um, So yeah, I just want to bring the message to the people who do have the positions of power, the ability and access to go speak to folks who have better knowledge than fossil fuel CEOs who continually showed that they want to lie to the public about all of the disastrous things they do. Um, yeah. I mean, we just need, we need some change before like these conversations are even like yeah. effective. And that's, that's really frustrating to me. Well, yeah. I that do- was a good answer because the truth is yeah. I feel exactly the same way. I'm not pro or against nuclear. I've said it a million times. I am pro what is going to benefit the most amount of people in the safest way. Like I am pro whatever that is. And I would love to defer to experts. And you're right. That is what our representatives are supposed to do. And regular people, quite honestly, that are just going about their lives shouldn't have to be figuring out the, 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 the solving the, uh, you know, entire energy crisis. Like they shouldn't have mm-hmm. to be, we shouldn't have, I shouldn't have to completely understand that. I really shouldn't. Yeah. So I agree. I want what's best for the most amount of people to have healthy lives. Well, That's what based I want. On, based on the research that I've done and the guests that we've had on this podcast, I can absolutely tell you with almost complete certainty that the one major energy source that can be utilized to get the most people off of coal and natural gas the fastest would be nuclear power. That is the fastest way to get it done. It ha- there's a ton of problems with getting it up and running. That is true. And the goal here, of course, is the Series 4 version of nuclear power, which is new. And the goal of the nuclear series four is to eliminate nuclear waste, which of course is can, it's, it's contaminated. It can be obviously harmful to the environment. Um, you know, when you go to the Southwest parts of the United States, like Utah and Nevada and places like that, you know, there's a reason why there is no human life in, you know, thousands and thousands of square miles, because you don't know what the hell's buried under the, under the soil. And Lord knows there's probably a considerable amount of nuclear waste that has been buried. But if there is a way that it can be replenished and used over and over again, I would think that that is without question one of those ways to get it done. And like I said, there are strength in numbers. And if you can start attracting the rural part of the country, the the forgotten people, the people who do vote for Trump, those people are not against this. What they're against is basically being forced into a corner that they simply cannot get out of and cannot afford, like the nonsense they're trying in California right now, which is to basically get everybody onto EV cars. That is not feasible in this moment. You cannot try that, and you're going to, and who will get screwed? Much like when Roe v. Wade gets overturned, who gets screwed? The most vulnerable people in society. 
that's who's that's who's facing the most difficult right. challenge. Well, that like the EV, like to me, that's just not what we're talking about. Environmental justice, yeah. and what to me that is is we need to sort of everybody needs to sort of share the burden. Okay, so there's a certain amount of you know waste. And it's just infuriating. And, and, you know, we've had the NIMBY saying forever, but that's really what this is. And Appalachia and places like that basically become the dumping ground because other people don't want it near them. So that's the, I think if we were to just spread it out, level it all out evenly amongst people, I mean, obviously it can't be done, you know, geographically. But um, I think that that would be like to me, the injustice aspect is is what, you, you know, the key thing of what you're talking about versus solving the entire energy crisis. I mean, why not both? <laughs> oh, no, I agree with both. But yeah. to me, the priority is helping these people because the fact that people are being abused is that. That crosses over into nefarious when we talk about things like what's going on in Flint, when we talk about things like um, where it, it really is intentional and it's malfeasance versus just overall human consumption and fighting against things like the military industrial complex or big agra. It's to me, we're talking about specific injustices that need to be addressed before we can even talk about the bigger, uh, you know, what's the emissions, the emissions problem there. I don't agree with that. And I'll tell you why, because the one thing that the, the environmental movement has a problem with is that you are generally associated with basically being a bunch of tree hugging hippies. And when the whole idea of well, we're going to sit down, we're going to protest, we're going to hold up a sign, and we will play the video that you guys did a spectacular job of uh, getting to uh, Senator Klobuchar, who is one of the most nefarious people in politics uh, and has been protected for far too long. Um, but again, when you play the game the way she has, you can get away with her nonsense. I don't understand how you're disagreeing with what I said, with what you're saying. What I'm saying is you want to be able to attract a certain segment of the population who wants to lock arms with you. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it all has to be, you know, guys in button down suits, but there has to be a certain segment of, let's say, the populist right who want to join you guys and say, yeah, this is a problem. Like the fact that it is going to be a catastrophic circumstance in East Palestine that most people are not even really talking about, about how much worse this is going to get. We just had Jordan Chariton of Status Quo on last week to talk about the environmental catastrophe that's happening right now in Kalamazoo, Michigan. You know, there's all of these things happening at once. But I'm willing to bet that the overwhelming majority of people who live in these parts of the country, they are desperate to have some type of a unifying force that can bring people together. The corporate media will do everything in its power to peg you guys as nothing more than a nuisance. See, you're looking at it from the perspective of like I was giving her some sort of like political advice. I was simply I was sort of like commending the fact that that's their mission. I wasn't suggesting some sort of tactical things as to who they lock arms with. It's interesting. See, I'm sitting there and looking at it from the moral mission perspective. And he's sitting there looking at it from like the political strategy perspective. I, but I think that that matters because if you're I'm not saying up, it doesn't, no, but it does. Does from this perspective, if you're showing up at events and you have 15 to 20 people with you, that's one thing. 
When you have 50, 150 to 200 people with you, then people are going to start to notice and they're not going to be able to ignore it. And when you have 1,500 to 2,000 people with you, now you've got a movement and now people are really going to have a hard time dealing with you because the bigger it gets, the more people are intrigued. By, what, where are all these, why are all these people banding together? What's going on here? They really seem like they have their ish together. You know, I, I think that what you guys did in particular uh, going after Klobuchar was absolutely genius because Minnesota is one of the very few states in this country that really has their ish together at the state level. But for some reason, at the federal level, it's an absolute nightmare with Amy Klobuchar. So let's play the clip because it's a really, really good one. I got to call this down about Burma. <laughs> I'm disgusted at so many levels with that one. It's like she truly cannot handle any sort of challenge or criticism, which then to me means this is completely the wrong job for you. Where, how do you be a representative of anybody at all if you can't even interact with human beings that are in your, you know, within your constituency? I don't understand that. Yeah. It's pathetic, really. And that is somebody just, by the way, that has no rhyme or reason to run for any further office, just putting that out there. But you know what, Riley? Give her credit for not even attempting to be anybody other than who she really is. She could have been with all due respect, like Cory Booker and be like, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. You're doing an amazing job. I'm going to go vote against you, but I really appreciate what you're doing. <laughs> Amy Klobuchar is like, these effing kids, why don't they grow up? You know, I, at least she's transparent about how she really it's disgusting. feels. Disgusting. Yeah, that's why I really like our tactic is just because like, we're taking it directly to them. It's, you can't ignore it. You're on camera. However you respond is however yeah. you respond and for a majority of these, they walk away, they give a little, like, you know, make the ick face. And you can see the contempt that they have for the living, breathing people that they're supposed to be representing. I will say too, that direct action, we've, we've seen real outcomes. Like Klobuchar did vote for the amendment to strip the Mountain Valley pipeline from the debt ceiling package. Do you think she would have done that? Has she not been lit up in the press very recently about her stance or lack of stance on line three? I don't think she would have. So yeah, this is super necessary. And I just wanted to call back um, to the point made earlier about like how we need more people. We need even people on the right to recognize how we're, be we're all being treated as disposable. It doesn't matter what party you vote for at the end of the day. Um, and so, yeah, that's something that I've consistently asked myself, how do we make it happen? Because uh, the, the fossil fuel industry has 
done untold amounts of harm in so many ways that I think most people don't recognize. Like more recently, I found out that coal companies had been writing our West Virginia history textbooks up until the 90s. Um, There wasn't a single, yeah, not a single mention of the West Virginia mine wars. And um, at a protest we did uh, last week, I asked the people who were there, has anybody been taught about the mine wars in school? Not a single hand was raised. Um, This literally happened in West Virginia, in the coal fields, the largest violent labor uprising in United States history. The the only time the National Guard has literally dropped bombs on United States citizens. And people don't know about it because of- I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. You know what, but it, that, of course, opens that whole look who's been paying for all of our history textbooks for over time. And again, in every nefarious organization, well, it's basically that, directed what we can and cannot know. But that's the kind of thing I feel like I'm way more aware of now. But like as a kid, of course, you're whatever textbook you get, no one thinks to sit there and look up, oh, who's publishing this? What company? What are their interests? What is their bias? Like, I mean, and of course, we did now at least now at least for people who want to question there's access to information that you can get. Now there's also crappy information, but you can find information um, versus back, you know, I'm old. We, we, there was no internet, right? Like you got what you got. This was it. This book says everything we need to know about history. But this is also the bigger problem when it comes to DeSantis and everybody is just uh-huh. kind of honing in on him saying, look at these things that he's doing. Again, he wants the ultimate power. So when you're seeking the ultimate power, eventually the spotlight will go right on you and everything that you've been involved in will come to light. If Joe Manchin ever thought about really running for president, even if he did take a flyer with this extremely corrupt no labels party, which wouldn't shock me, but let's just say that he did, the whole country would eventually figure out just how dirty and corrupt he is and the types of things that go on in, let's say, West Virginia that no one actually knows about. It just so happens that Florida happens to be a very consequential state electorally, so everyone pays attention to that. But that type of stuff, the type of rewriting history, writing the, you know, they always say that history is written from the perspective of the winners. Of course. So we all too often have to deal with the fact that the overarching problem in our society above everything else is that corporate special interests have captured our government hook, line and sinker, whether at the local state and especially at the federal level. You're this close to saying the problem is capitalism like I do. Well, the problem is capitalism, even though I think capitalism can only survive if it is completely fused with socialism. So you can't have one without the other. The most successful nations around the world have a hybrid system. Australia has it. Japan has it. Germany has it. Scandinavia has it. The UK has it. We don't have it. And you're seeing the detrimental effects. The problem is we are the most militarily powerful nation on earth, and we do not hesitate to show that. So now the question becomes, what are we going to do moving forward? So what are the plans for climate defiance? What are you guys looking to do? And how can we help you? Yeah, how can we help you? And more importantly, how are they're going to make it so you can't get into things? That's my only concern is how how far can that, you know, can you do that before you can't? Right. And have you guys linked up with Code Pink by any chance? We've been in the same area where I think they showed up to, to the uh, correspondence center same time but uh i, I don't think we have um because if anyone knows how to be like steadfast and be carried out of a room on live camera it's medea 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, we have noticed like more recently that these actions are getting increasingly difficult. They recognize our faces. Um, I believe the week before the correspondence dinner, a uh, sec- private security guard came up to our co-founder, Michael, and said, Hi, Michael. I, uh, you know, I know you have this big event coming up at the end of the week. It'd be a shame if you were in jail for it. And so, yeah, the level of intimidation and tracking us, like it's only going to continue to increase. And so I saw somebody comment earlier, like, yeah, I think you taking this to the CEOs and the politicians is like super powerful, not so sure about blocking a roadway. And I totally agree. Um, And I wonder seriously, like, will these people just stop having any kind of public events? And then they create a situation in which we have no outlet to talk to them. Um, And then what are we forced to do? Probably inconvenience a large amount of people who are otherwise going to be massively inconvenienced by the climate crisis. And so, um, yeah, I, it's it's tricky. We we were like brutalized at the Politico Energy Summit. One of I our- think none of these people should have a moment's peace. I've said it a million times. I think every single person who is supposed to be a public servant and fails to do so should not get a moment's peace when they leave their home. And I mean that in a nonviolent way. But I serious people like Kirsten Cinema was upset about being chased into the bathroom stall. That should be the least of her issues. I think that these people should. So you know what? They want to avoid having public forums. Then they're not going to be able to go out in public. Like that's how I say, and yeah, you want to start interrupting people's dinners. It's absolutely, absolute. Like these people should not get a moment's peace. And so I applaud it. And, and yeah, like what he said, like, so how can we help you? Yeah. I mean, right now, honestly, we're scrappy, we're new. So anybody who has a a few dollars to spare can go to climatedefiance.org and chip in. Um, It is just a crew of young people really trying to, to, bring it to the halls of power, um, disruptively, peacefully. Um, but yeah, no, no bars held back. Um, so yeah, if you sign up at climatedefines.org, we also have a pledge of resistance. If you can't chip in to donate, um, I'm sure we will have another big event. That's not necessarily our specialty. Um, we do do a lot of like these smaller, uh, events. And so I am interested in like how we can grow to the thousands, right? while still maintaining this sense of like, we are taking it directly to these people where like you have to get 10 tickets into this event. Um, Anyways, neither here nor there. Basically all to say, uh, if you want to sign up and we have an action going on in your area, you will get a call probably from me. Um, So yes. How big are you guys? Like, where are you operating? Uh, two questions, I think. So, so how big are we right now? Yeah. Like um, where are you guys? I mean, not necessarily like numbers, but more like location wise, like how spread out, are you, like how many places are you covering? Yeah, we, I mean, we've got folks everywhere. I think we've done a few actions in New York city. Um, DC is where most of our actions have okay. been based. Um, but you know, we have folks in Chicago. I'm currently based in Pittsburgh. Um, I'd like to, I was just there for the first folks. time. Sorry. I'm, I got excited. I was just in Pittsburgh for the first time, like a couple months ago. It was really cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 Another, another sacrifice zone in Appalachia. As I found out, I moved from from oh, yeah. one unsafe sacrifice zone to the next, but at least they appreciate me as an LGBTQ person. So, um, but yeah, so, uh, nothing down here, right? You're not down in Florida yet. You know, if, if folks sign up and people want to help lead actions, like 
if you see, you know, DeSantis has something coming up and nobody seems to be organizing to stop it. Yeah. Hit us up. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. Riley, we really appreciate it. And guys, yeah. if you're not currently supporting Climate Defiance, give them a follow at the very least on social media. See their work. Understand. Make sure you support them because these yeah. are the kinds of people that need bail funds. <laughs> yes. Well, they're actually the no, ones No, I'm serious. And you guys do have fund. good attorneys, right? Like, you know who got, like, everybody should always know who to call. You know who to call. I mean, I tell everybody that as an attorney, you should always know who to call. Oh yeah. Yeah. But we like, yeah. Legal support. <laughs> right. That's what I was going to say. Like they need, that's what you guys, they need bail money people. One, one uh, last thought, Riley, before you go, um, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Congressman Thomas Massey in Eastern uh, Kentucky. Very Fair? small amount. Okay. So as libertarian conservative as he is, he actually lives completely off the grid. Uh, basically everything that he has is, zero net carbon emissions. Um, he is a pretty solid advocate in a lot of ways. I don't think enough people in the climate movement really try to approach people like him and they probably should. Yeah. Even if he scoffs at you, be like, oh, you're just a bunch of lefties. But you know what? You try because at least he's attempting to do something. He's he's very vocal about the fact that he essentially lives off the grid. See, he's more strategic. Again, you'll get good strategy, like seriously. But yeah, don't yeah. hesitate to cross over to some people that and don't you might listen not to think people to. and do me a favor. And I mean, this is somebody who was a leader in this movement. There are a lot of overly emotional people on the left and there are people who will simply, let's say they're part of the LGBTQ community. They do not want to affiliate or associate in any way with people who are on the right, who they perceive or may outright not want anything to do with them on a social level. Personally. But you know what? You get into groups with people who are hardline righties or whatever, you'd be surprised how fast those walls break down, how fast they're like, you're really not that much different than me. And they eventually figure out that, yeah, we really are in this together. Or agree on enough issues to yeah. work together. That's the point is you don't cut off your nose to spite your face. That's yeah. the point. Certain people will work with you on some things, maybe not others. Yeah. But the environment, yeah. the, the we got to take what we can get. Everything is interconnected. And the one thing you will see when you start doing things like that, when you start locking arms with people yeah. that could actually make a difference in the parts of the country that really need it. That's when they'll really start coming after you because they know that you're dangerous at that point. It's such so, a compliment when they do that. Though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you should welcome their hatred, as FDR once said. It's awesome. Because if you do get their hatred, that means you're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, for noting that. I think I grew up in a, in a conservative family and I, I have been like shocked to see the difference in just lifestyles between Pittsburgh and where I'm from yeah. and how people don't recognize that actually like these rural communities that are voting like heavily red are some of the most sustainable communities yeah, I've ever been a part of. They know of their na they yep. know all their neighbors. They're sharing what they have. They're canning, you know, their fresh fruits and vegetables they grow every yep. year. They're buying local meat and dairy. Like they are, yeah, they're pretty, pretty damn sustainable. They save every to-go container at my grandma's house. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I wish more people did recognize that Appalachians shouldn't just be left out of these conversations because of like how we voted in the last two decades. That is not no. a representation of where I come from at all. No. Um, so yeah, thanks for, for pointing that out. And I'd no, it's important. With, with some family members, I hope. Yeah, the red yeah. states, look, the red states have some of the best environmental stuff. That's just the way it is. And you know what? The, the red communities down here, like for example, we have a place called Sanibel Island. It's 
pretty red. And yet they take the best care of their places. Like they don't want overdevelopment. They actually want things to be nice. They would be fighting and up in arms about somebody drilling or doing, you know. So even though there's people that might be conservative on things that we'd rather them not be, um, if we can work with them on environmental issues, that's a win. And the key ingredient more than anything else, especially being in the generation where everyone literally grew up with a cell phone attached to their hip, it is always the fear of the unknown. People have very strong, aggressive opinions, especially when they're not face-to-face with somebody, when they're online, they will say very detrimental things. And that goes for both sides. But when the walls are broken down and you're actually face-to-face with these individuals, it's very hard not to actually engage and figure out where things exactly. meet. Because one of my closest friends growing up, he is as hard right conservative as it gets, but he's like a brother to me. And I will continue to pound him into his brain that he's wrong about a lot of these things. And eventually there are consensuses that are reached with a lot of people. So what you're doing is absolutely right. And we encourage you to continue and make it bigger and better. Yeah. And if there's anything we could do to help along absolutely. the way, Absolutely. We'll Keep right us there. on your list. Like you're, you know, you're, I'll, we, I'll go and sign up just so yeah. I get your thing. I'm not on social media, but keep me informed. Sure, I'll, I'll do the work. Well, I don't <laughs> be on, on social media. I can't. The people are too mean. <laughs> I know. I run the TikTok. So oh. clients on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, TikTok is certainly a cesspool. I, don't, I think they're mostly bots. I hope they're bots. because I've never been on TikTok. It can be sure. rough sometimes. <laughs> I, would de- I would definitely say that a lot of them are bots. But remember, a lot of the, a lot of the old white guys, if you will, that come on there, just remember, a lot of it is just ignorance. They don't know any oh, better. Oh, no, no, I'd say all of it is ignorance, but God, they're, they're not, mean. They're not aware. Um, <laughs> but remember, a lot of it is is fear. A lot of it is fear-based. And that's what scares them. Uh, change scares people and fear of the unknown scares people. So keep mm-hmm. being friendly and keep pointing out who the real enemies are. The guy who's waving the Confederate flag, you know, on the interstate saying, I love Trump. He's, he's not, not your enemy. He's, he's just enemy. an idiot. He's just an idiot. Right. You want to he's know not the person with power. He's not a power position. He's not the he's not the problem. He's just falling prey to the people that prey on that. The you, CEO, you know that. The CEO of BlackRock. That's the problem. There's your enemy. There's there's a real Absolutely. enemy. So with that said, Riley, thank you, Riley. Thank you for coming Happy on. Pride Month. Thank you. Happy Pride. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll definitely be in touch. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Well, she was great. And yes, she was lovely. She was lovely. I totally dug her. I didn't I didn't realize that they were even multi-state. I, I was sort of thinking they were a local DC mm-hmm. group. Well, look, I hope they stay true to the mission. And yeah, you know, throw, if I always pay attention to groups like that because I do think it's important for them to always have bail money. They should. Oh, yeah. I thought that with Extinction Rebellion, too. There's certain groups that I feel like you have to kind of watch. And sometimes people will purposefully go get themselves arrested. And when they do stupid ass shit like that, then I kind of don't have the same sympathy for when people are really doing a good action and they're being improperly detained. Um, But yeah, that's what I think. So you guys know the reason we brought you on primarily tonight is somebody who is of great inspiration to both of us. Um, You know, I I actually didn't have the pleasure of meeting Dr. Cornell West when he was in Miami three years ago, but Jen did for a brief moment. It was bad. Couldn't actually keep it together. No, it was really embarrassing. 
but he is a great man. He is a great scholar and he is extremely much like oh, I Nina, love him. Yeah. Much like Nina Turner. Um, when you ever, whenever you hear them speak, you really do get taken to church in a way that is extremely powerful. And it's, it's through love and powerful. Yeah. He's all about that. He's all about that. And yeah. I, I have nothing but love and respect for like, this is not, I don't, I, I'm like, the whole thing bothers me. And that's why when we talk about the left really can't get out of its own way, you're seeing that firsthand right now, because oh. there are many reasons why Dr. West would actually be, you know, Jordan Sheraton of Status Quo is a good friend. And he has said time and again, that there is a real opening right now for a true left populist to run for president, even if it was to be done outside of the two-party system, because the people who are running in the Democratic Party right now are not the answer. However, somebody like Dr. West absolutely does embody that MLK Malcolm spirit and that is so needed. could be the answer. Right now. So could be the answer. How he ever came to the conclusion that his best option was to run with a party that forget all of the negatives associated with it. The fact that the party doesn't even have ballot access. Cornell is not just a great speaker, he's a great human. Like I, I, he's special. And I do think he is exactly the, like, I have nothing but just really good things to say. And it bothers me because- That's why it bothers me even more. Oh yeah. Because this yeah. decision makes no sense. Well, none. I just, I don't understand. For all of the faults of the Green Party, they at least have ballot access right now, right at this moment in 38 states. Did you make sure to check your current numbers? Okay. Because I haven't looked in a while what they are. But yeah. Dr. West would do better to run in Andrew Yang's forward party. Now, uh, I don't know how many states they have access okay. to, but I can guarantee you it's better than what You're the People's Party assuming has. assuming that the forward party would want him because they probably wouldn't. Perhaps. And the Green Party is just too obtuse to recognize what's good for them. So that, that that's the problem with those. As And mm. I don't know what kind of ballot access the forward party really has yet. I don't know. Fair. Now, of course, we're not going to recommend running in the no labels party. That is the corporate third rail oh, party God, that is trying to recruit Joe Manchin to run for president. But we're still convinced that this could actually happen. At this point, I got to tell you, nothing would surprise me. Nothing would surprise me either. And of course, with that said, the Libertarian Party obviously is out. So you're not going to have Dr. West run on that particular ticket. So, so, but why the, but why the People's Party when they don't have ballot access? If you're going to run, and this is another thing that somebody suggested, that if you're going to run, why even run under the label of the People's Party when you could just run as an independent and just figure out how you're going to get that ballot access. I don't know. Which I do think requires a lot of money and a lot of signatures. And maybe that's what, maybe they had, maybe they offered him an option to be able to get that. I don't know. Yes. And here's the thing, Sable. Um, I don't even want to mention his name. No. But just, the person who's running the please. operation, this just, please. eventually <laughs> where there is so much smoke, there is inevitably fire. Can't ignore that. It's not one circumstance. It's not two, three, or four. It's many. And do not forget that a person who has spent a lot of time, effort, and money propping up this party is Jimmy Dore. And Dr. West really likes Jimmy. 
Now, maybe there's a relationship circumstance here where he feels obligated to do this because Jimmy says he's committed to donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to see this through. I don't see that. I don't see Cornell. I don't see that. Left, we know what his name is. We're just not mentioning it. (laughs) We're just not talking about it. We just don't want to. But with that said, I actually have not watched his intro speech. I'm sad, So you all are going to see it now. So let's see what Dr. West has to say. In these bleak times, I have decided to run for truth and justice, which takes the form of running for president of the United States as a candidate for the People's Party. I enter in the quest for truth. I enter in the quest for justice. And the presidency is just one vehicle to pursue that truth and justice, what I've been trying to do all of my life. I come from a tradition where I care about you. I care about the quality of your life. I care about whether you have access to a job with a living wage, decent housing, women having control over their bodies, health care for all, the escalating, the destruction of the planet, the destruction of American democracy. Democracy creates disruption. It creates an eruption. It creates an interruption. Wide from below, the energies of everyday people is manifest. And I know there are precious people in your life who you care for. That's why it's important for you to be involved, important for you to participate. We're not talking about hating anybody. We're talking about loving. We're talking about affirming. We're talking about empowering those who have been pushed to the margins because neither political party wants to tell the truth about Wall Street, about Ukraine, about the Pentagon, about big tech. Neo-fascists like Brother Trump or milquetoast neoliberals like Brother Biden. Wow, I'm so happy to make a world-shaking decision. You know what I mean? But I know gangsters when I see them. <laughs> and gangsters not a subjective expression. It's an objective condition. Do we have what it takes? We shall see. But some of us are going to go down fighting, go down swinging with style and a smile, accenting the best in you and trying to tease out the best in me. Let's do it together. I love it. I love the look. I love the whole thing. I mean, it's almost like Shaft running for president is what that logo looks like. I friggin' love it. But again, it, it, we go back to the thing of ballot access, which is a re- legitimate logistical concern. <laughs> Like it's not, it's, it's not an opinion. It's how just, about a lack of infrastructure? I, I just, I have how some ab- serious concerns. How about a lack of funding? You think he's going to get 10 to $20 million to do this? I don't know. Like I, I, and I, I think I, one of the reasons he's going to have the hardest time is because there are a lot of people I'm telling you right now, 
if he was smart about this, he should really rethink whether he he's under no obligation to just do it straight through with the People's Party. He could theoretically decide that this is not in my best interest. He may be very serious about running, but it also may be a situation where the funding is simply not there. And he has to make a decision of, well, what if I ran this way? Would I get that support? If he ran as an independent, I would donate to him. Absolutely. Why would you not? He's somebody you want to support. You don't give a damn about Trump or DeSantis or Biden or any of these other people. You care about him because his message is pure and beautiful and powerful. He's so good. Our precious trans. And we were just talking about what a great logo. It's a very, oh, yeah. it's a very like retro it is. I 60s, like it. 70s style that it's him. I'm telling you, it's great. I know. That yes, Mario, great catch. It is the Jurassic Park font, mm. but it does. It suits him. It looks really cool. I liked it. I liked it. Colonello, not reinforcing the duopoly. How could I be reinforcing it? Because I'm not supporting the People's Party. The no, People's Party is a disaster. It has nothing to do with supporting the duopoly. It's acknowledging that there are ballot access issues that are real. You Miss know, you can't be on the ballot just because you say so. That's Miss, not how it works. Miss Anonymous from, I believe, Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you so much for being here. We're very appreciative that you are. And for anybody that may be new and may be considering yeah. becoming a supporter of our show, go to patreon.com forward slash generational change for as little as We're not $5 doing these anymore, by the way. a month. We're not doing anymore. You can get your Lulu sticker as your intro. But for those who would become a $10 patron, we now have to consider what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. We're you running out of our mansion politics yeah, and bumper stickers. And not just that, but we're going we're gonna to move on to something else, I think. I think it's time. And if you're really feeling generous for the $25 a month contributors, hell, if you just donate 25 bucks to our show, we will give you the generational change. Silky smooth jersey, tri-blend. You know you want one. So we're giving you a special. See, I think people purposefully offer. won't do it just because of how annoying it is that when you do that. I am not annoying. I'm I, a salesman. Damn it. It just sounds so bad. Like it's so cheesy. I'm a, che- I, I am. It's so cheesy. I am a nachos and cheese kind of. I, I didn't think that one through. I was really trying to come up with something spicy. Good. It didn't work. But. No, we don't want to enforce the duopoly, but we have to recognize it does exist. Yes, Absolutely. And so if you are so inclined and you do happen to like our content. And I vote do, third party. Yeah. If you go, I voted third party. When if it's you, available. Of course. Uh, O2 Cash App, if you are so inclined to contribute to our show, but don't want to lock your credit card into the database. So any contribution there will be really appreciated. What are some of the things that we do? What do we do? Well, this is, we do do, we do hygiene packs, but like we do a lot of, I mean, mm-hmm. anytime there's something that we can donate to, we donated to the flood people that were having flood issues in Miami. You went over and bought a bunch of these to people over in Fort Myers. We sent money to the, um, to somebody in East Palestine that was needing help relocating. So all of our money just goes to helping people. And we have a couple of guys that help with our videos. That's basically it. Yeah. We're just trying to help people. So what we are doing right now, our mission right now is to ensure that we get enough petition signatures to get 
reproductive rights on the ballot for 24. I'm trying to regain my bodily autonomy. So for anybody who's not in the state of Florida, we currently do not have bodily autonomy here. And so we have to fight for that right. Well, Yet again. Here's, here's, what I would again. Say, here's what I would say to off the rails about not believing in the American vote count system. Here's the big difference, though. Somebody like Dr. West is going to put that message out there that is beyond just going to the ballot box. He has the message and he is somebody who is willing to go further than Bernie Sanders ever was willing to go. And we have to accept that reality for a lot of people. Yeah. And I do think that in time, maybe some sense will be talked into Dr. West. I don't know who put him up to this. Put him, I don't think anybody puts him, I don't, I mean, you're really giving him little credit for thinking. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody's putting up to I'm it. I'm not saying, no, putting him up to going with the people's Right, party. but I mean, wouldn't, he? I'm sure he, he's, this is somebody who is a very well thought individual. That's I, I know thing. he is, but there's, listen, there are always some extenuating circumstances. You never know what that is, uh, uh, what might be the reason why he's doing it this particular way. And there's some information that's come out today suggesting that he has ties to, I think, Andrew Tate's brother is Jeremy Tate. I'm pretty sure that's who it is. And it has something to do with praising Ron DeSantis. Look, I don't know the full who extent. Who did that? Uh, Dr. West, apparently. So I don't know the full extent of this, but I will get to the bottom of it. Praising we'll, Ron DeSantis? Yeah. I can't imagine that. Well, I mean, in love with one particular thing. I maybe. mean, but this is the thing where, where people have to understand context and nuance. Yeah, Somebody well, can do good things and do bad things. That's how life is. I am so tired of people being labeled good or bad, enemies or not. You know, it, it doesn't serve us in any way. Everybody does some things that are good and some things that are not good. That's just how it works. <laughs> and I hope, um, he just, does, I hope he does run as an independent because I do think that he could garner enough support where the Democratic Party will literally lose their mind. Because there will, they will not be able to control the masses. His speeches are too powerful. When he starts holding any type of political rallies in front of several hundred, maybe even thousands. Yeah, of it'll start to get out of hand. Yeah. And he's not going to be quiet. I hope he has good security. I hope he does too. That's what I think of too. I also think that this is the perfect alternative under these circumstances because we initially thought it would have been great for Nina to run. But after running for Congress twice and losing in the fashion that she did, it really hurt a lot of that credibility in terms of being able to be that pioneer that is so desperately needed on the left. But I do believe that his message is exceptionally good. And he just says what needs to be said. Look at that little munchkin. What do you think, Lou? Wait, her ears inside out. Got to fix that ear. Who's the sweetest little girl? See, everybody wanted you to come on and say hello. It's Lulu. Wave, wave. Aw. She's a my good little soulmate. Yeah. It's my soulmate. Where are you going next week? I'll be in North Carolina for the summer, guys. You know I do. Um, I call it generational change in Asheville. But mm -hmm. we will still continue on our schedule. It's the same. I'm just not here. Yes. Here. Physically here. But Lou is with me. She's my... She's my travel companion. But I hope people really understand that the issue here is not Dr. West and his message. The no. issue here is the infrastructure that is attempting to not capitulate, but 
co-opt what he's doing. Because for them, they see dollar signs. You know, we talked at length before with Zaina Day, with Renee Johnson, with multiple people who have been involved with the People's Party. We have archives on our channel. If you guys uh, want to look them up, we highly recommend. We've, yeah. had, we've had Nick Brana and Zaina Day on our podcast. We've covered the, the People's Party the entire time it's existed. Mm -hmm. So if you guys really want to see the type of responses that they give, especially when it comes to ballot access, fielding candidates, building an infrastructure. It's all mealy mouth crap. You can go look at them talking for themselves. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. It's what we're saying. Yeah, you don't need to. Yeah, we've talked to them. And then, of course, as it turns out, which was, <laughs> oh, of, sorry, baby. which of course was of absolutely no surprise, misappropriating funds. What a shock. And then, of course, we all know that there are some really bad stories that are out there. You could call them alleged, you could call them whatever you want, but they're out there. And you can't just sweep that under the rug. That's personal a, stories, correct. which I don't know what that impact that has really on the, the infrastructure. The most important thing, bottom line, is that when this got started, I mean, I think you were there as well. This was at the end of, I want to say, I guess this was... When did they officially launch it? It was in 2018, um, 2017, end of 2017, something like that. No, I think you're wrong. It was, I thought it was the, no. or 28, maybe the end of 2018. It was somewhere around there. I know that. Uh, my point is, is that when they did it, they had this huge launch on social media across multiple channels. Thousands of people showed up. Chris Hedges spoke. Nina Turner spoke. Marianne spoke. Uh, Dr. West spoken. He was the best as of far course. as I was concerned. Wow. Uh, what can you say? There were a lot of people who were excited about what that could have meant. And the person who was basically at the head of it decided that, no, this is my, this is my party and I'll cry if I want to. And my God, did he. And now what the hell is it? You're going to try to, you're going to try to resuscitate what this was. This is that's what they need him for. That's why they that's why they want him. That's the only thing, because otherwise that's exactly that's exactly right. Like for them, it's a branding strategy. Yeah. Eventually, what you'll find out, which I think is something we've suspected for a long time, perhaps the Greens really are just controlled opposition. They're not really serious about mounting any type of a serious challenge to the two party system. Because if somebody like Dr. West were to run in the Green Party banner, he would be a threat. Oh, yeah. A real threat. Because his message really resonates with what they're fighting for. But they they just cannot get out of their own way. And at this point, you have to wonder, is it deliberate? With the Greens mm -hmm. in particular? Oh, yeah. Is it deliberate? I don't know. Do I think they? it's just they're such they're so puritanical on their issues that they just don't want it. Like, I think that they're just so fixated on their own parameters that they can't get out of their own way. That's what I think. And also the name. I've said that for a while. I think they just, it sounds like it's too niche when in fact it isn't. Correct. And I will also say this. And I think this is a great place to wind down the conversation. You know, when they did the anti-war rallies several months ago, and they basically said, we're doing this People's Party, Libertarian Party, togetherness effort. Mashup. To, mashup. It's to a mashup. march against, uh, you know, to basically have a rally against. Uh, Was it war. Ukraine? 
Yeah, just in general. And the war in Ukraine, but it was an anti-war message. Okay. To be fair about what it was about. All right. And they attracted about a thousand people. I mean, look. I like that. It's, I remember that. No, it's a start. Yeah. But here's the problem. When you have the leader of the People's Party as the MC of the event, you lose credibility. When you have people like Jackson Hinkle be the speaker at these events. I don't think I even know who that is. I mean, I've heard the name. Trust me, you don't want to know. Well, I've heard the name. I don't. You lose credibility. You are not doing yourself any favors. And like I said, I would have been glad to never talk about this farce of a party ever again. Except now. Except now we don't have a choice because and now. now is, so who, right. Not a bad move on their part, huh? It isn't a bad move on their part if they're just looking for publicity. But in terms of what it's actually going to take in order to really turn this into something, they don't have it. Oh, every, not, we'd all rather vote for Cornell than, than Joe. The problem is ballot access. The problem is we're not going to be able to have that choice. That's the problem. So I, yes, I a thousand percent agree that I would much rather vote for Cornell West than Joe Biden. Isra, I think you're going to, I am saying this to everybody right now. Get this, get this in your brain at this moment in time. Be prepared for Donald Trump to win again. Oh yeah. Be prepared. Be like, I, I expect it. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. I mean, now again, who knows what's coming up in terms of any legal, you know, restrictions he might face for running. And if that were to stop, I don't see it, but you know, again, there's people whispering about his attorneys were at the department of justice and there's all this whispering and hunts and there'd be an indictment and all this stuff. So it's like, I don't know, but if nothing comes up that bars him from running legally, I don't, I honestly do not see what's in the way of him winning. Jen, I'm not sure how you're going to be able to That's vote the for him. He won't be on the ballot. Like this is, I don't think this was understand. not thought through very clearly. We would love to vote for Cornell West. I would, I would. Yeah. But, but if he's running on a ticket that doesn't have ballot access here, and I believe that People's Party was currently like suing uh, Ron DeSantis or the state, the division of elections to get ballot access here. But I definitely agree, Sable, but there are many reasons for that. Now, ultimately, when you're chasing the bottom line, that oh. becomes a very big problem. And that's what ends up happening with a lot of these movements. That's why we were so thorough when we were speaking to Riley before. You know, they always end up going off the rails because eventually people decide that it's time to cash in. They get co-opted. Well, and now some of it is unintentional and, and some of it's intentional. Some of it is as you grow, you lose quality control. That's anything, right? Like as you grow and you have more and more chapters and more and more people and you raise more and more money, you start to have more and more chefs in the kitchen. So different things start to happen to organizations as they get bigger for a myriad of reasons, right? Like it isn't just one thing. But here's the problem, Mr. At some point, you have to say, there is no other way that the Democratic Party is ever going to learn. You are in an abusive relationship. <laughs> they are using Donald Trump as your serial abuser. And in, and in conjunction with that, you have your minor abuser who's still abusing the hell out of you. And that's the Democratic Party. And they are drawing that line. They love having somebody like Donald Trump. For them, it's the greatest thing that could happen to it them. It won't work again, though, by it's, the way. It's not going to work. Not because again. Because you're not being offered anything. And if you look at what is going to happen right now, 
to people in the Carolinas, in West Virginia, in Virginia, in Kentucky. What is going to happen with this massive Mountain Valley pipeline and the people's lives who will be ruined as a result of this happening is just one example. Take the people who live in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and this is a very blue city with a majority black population and the environmental borderline genocide that is taking place there right now. And no one's talking about it. No one. Why would they? Not the Democrats. Not at all. Not anybody. How could they? <laughs> because they're all still on the fossil fuel uh, pay payroll. 100%. That's why. Now, uh, as far as the Democratic primary is concerned, I would suggest to everybody that if you are so inclined, that is where you would at least get involved because the best case scenario that the Democrats could hope for right now, if they if they cared, which they don't, no, that's just the giving thing. out free advice. They don't want a primary. If RFK keeps creeping up in the polls, I'm not even addressing Marianne, but if RFK yeah. que keeps creeping up in the polls, and it's very likely that he will, and quite frankly, if Marianne knew how to strategize in terms of being the most effective at this point, she would drop out and endorse RFK. If his numbers shot up over 30 points, because keep in mind, Biden's poll numbers just dipped below 60% for the first time. That is a lame duck president if there ever was one. When's her book coming out? She'll she'll drop out once <laughs> Probably her book. That. She'll drop out when her book launches and it'll be like, oh yes, this was all just to stay relevant the, for my book. The point being is that if it looks like it is so crystal clear that Joe is going to lose in 2024. And I am really convinced beyond any doubt at this point that he will. He can't and this win has again. nothing to do with him falling on the stage the other day. <laughs> it's it's not even funny. For me, it's more the falling on the bike. That was a way more that was hilarious. Yeah. The Willow Project, as Miss Anonymous points out. There's so many things that we can go over. Oh, yeah, no, we have real legitimate we We're not even grievances. I'm not even addressing all of the policy, the failed policies. He is a borderline failure I don't know why of you a say borderline. Well, uh, I don't know why you say borderline. Okay, so he's a failure. But at a time <laughs> where this nation needed a populist left president and we got status quo, Joe, that was the worst possible thing that I could happen. I don't even feel like it was status quo. I feel like we went in reverse. Think of it this way. If Bernie Sanders became president and used executive authority to get at least some of these things through, whether it was cannabis decriminalization, whether it was expanding health care to everybody through the pardoning pandemic, Julian Assange, pardoning Julian Assange, eliminating student debt, doing just a handful of things. Do you think Donald Trump would have a shot in hell of winning again? No. He wouldn't. But that just no shows chance. you they have no interest in doing those things. That's the truth. Of they course. have no interest in doing those things. I was thinking that today, like, because I did hold my nose and vote for Joe. Everyone knows, very begrudging so regret it, wish I didn't, think it was bad decision, and I will not under any circumstance do it again. And then I was thinking, well, I shouldn't say under any circumstance. And I wrote down this list in my head, like I have this list like of, okay, well, if he did this, this, that, but he would never do any of those things. So therefore I can say I'm never, I'm not going to vote for him again. And I'm not the only one. And he barely won. So if he barely won and a bunch of people that did vote for him are not voting for him, Again, math is not my strong suit, but it just doesn't seem likely that you can win when you barely won the first time. I'm just throwing that out there. And I will not vote for him again under any circumstance. Again, and I shouldn't say that. Isra, what you also have to remember is that when it comes to the so-called centrist supporting progressives, you know, herein lies the rub. It's a question of whether or not there is a robust movement outside of the political electoral arena 
that is growing leaps and bounds that is going to attract people to want to be involved. And that, of course, is through labor. And that's the only way it happens. And that means locking arms with people politically that you don't agree with across the board. There's a reason why there is such heightened fervor right now for the social uh, inequities in society. There's a reason why we have Pride Month, why we put such a focus on on a set of circumstances. You know what you should have in this country? You know what would make the more, more sense when it comes to L- the LGBT community? Have a Pride weekend. Have a weekend specifically devoted to all of the issues, the causes, and things that they're fighting for. When you do an entire month devoted to this, what you're doing is you're proving that this is political and not about what's in their best interest or even fighting for the causes that are of most importance to them. Like universal health care, if you really gave a damn about people's ability to get the necessary medication that they need, for example, if they reach a certain age where they're at the age of consent and decide that they want to transition, that would be an example of where universal health care would matter. Or the fact that we don't have universal health care and we have a major mental health crisis in this country and people are not able to seek the therapy that they need, mental or in some cases medical. That would be another example of the things that we should be fighting for right now. We don't have anybody who's out there doing it. But I'll I don't tell you, see what that has to do with having Pride Month. Like, I don't see the connection of any of that. I think because I think that there is too much attention drawn into the social well, divisions they, of society and not the economic divisions, which is really what we're fighting. And for. I think we can walk and chew gum. I think we can too. So I don't think it matters if we celebrate different populations, different months. I have no it. problem celebrating. Right. Well, that's what it. I'm that's saying. It has issue. nothing to do with pride. That's just what getting attention because it's a lot safer people to talk about as opposed to like really dealing with issues. What do you think people on the political right and libertarian right are doing right now all day, every day, this entire month, making videos about pride and talking nonstop about that shit? And they'll sit there and just keep flame fanning their own flames. But I think that that's not. Like that to me, that's not the issue. I'm not worried about that. Fair enough. I still believe that the economic populism that is shared by an overwhelming majority of this population, if they were to come together, there is no telling what we could have. Vampire left. The only reason I, oh God, I regret doing it, but you know what? I I can't say that I disliked him as much as I dislike Hillary because I don't think that that would be possible, and I did not vote for her, nor will I ever. Um, yeah, exactly. That well, that's all they have. That's that's basically their entire. That's their fundraising shtick right there. That's why I've lost my lady rights. That's why I've lost my lady rights because they were holding on to that for fundraising for so long, refused to do anything about it. Fast track a bunch of right wing judges. I've got a Supreme Court judge. They made me Coney Island. Doesn't name the five freedoms of the First Amendment. And the Democrats, they just they allowed this. They just and what's going to ultimately end up and what's going to end up happening as a result, because the one person who is going to talk about these issues that really matter is Dr. West. And he's going to do it in a way that Marianne could never do. No, he is going to be a barnstormer. He is going to be going to the schools. He is going to be going to the union halls. He's going to be going everywhere. What's going to happen? Unfortunately, I mean, he's a real intellectual person. I mean, he's an academic person, but he's got that. He's he's yeah, he's just got it. And it's hard to counteract, argue with someone when they're arguing from a place of love. It really does make it very interesting, you know, like to get in a debate with him about something like trans people. I I just it, it, it you It'd be hard to steamroll him in any way, the way he talks about people. No, I just don't great. see how you can do it. No, he really gets it. And the problem is, is that the biggest impediment he's going to deal with right now is having the People's Party stuck to him. That's mm-hmm. what's going to happen. I, I, They're going to talk nonstop about what a grift 
and disaster the People's Party is, and they're going to take away from his message. Corporate media will seize on this 1,000%. They will, they will call seize out. Seize on it. They will, they will, yeah. And there's a lot of baggage there with the People's Party. And when you bring up sexual assault, oh boy, they'll have a freaking field day See, with that. This is the thing. And it's I coming. just don't think it's a good affiliation. You can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. And yeah. you can't be this naive. So that's what I'm concerned about. Yeah, I, I, it's valid concern. And what you also have to remember, guys, and this is why we emphasize the labor movement more than anything else, the people who tell you that you have to vote for Joe are people of privilege. They are people who are not actually suffering. No. And their lives are not affected one way or the other, no. whether or not Joe wins or loses. And the same is true whether or not Trump wins or loses. The fact is, you are going to be screwed royally just depending on at what, what level, what extent, for which corporate side is going to win. Either way, the way that you change this is by growing a massive labor movement on the outside and then in conjunction building through non-corporate candidates on the inside. They're not socialists. Let's stop with the labels. Come on. Cornell West will openly say, I believe he says, he, he refers to himself as a socialist. I don't, like, to me, labels don't really serve us. He is somebody that believes in caring about the least of these. Isra, and to everybody in the chat, here's another thing I will share with you when it comes to actually running for office and actually knowing where the people stand on certain things. I can assure you that overwhelmingly, with the exception of places maybe like Brooklyn, maybe like Austin, Texas, maybe Los Angeles, California, with very rare exceptions, the general population has no idea what is going on on social media. They do not care. They are not even aware. They're not in the echo chamber. They're just not. Most people are not in the echo chamber. So when you go out into public and you meet people, they have no interest in this stuff whatsoever. In fact, the most effective thing in terms of reaching those old normie Dems that lived in this district and voted for Debbie Wasserman Schultz or mm. potentially voted for Jen. How did you reach them? You reach them with a TV ad and a very welcoming TV ad, a very heartfelt, touch the heartstrings liberal TV ad. They care about their feelings. And when you do that, you'd be surprised how many people will ultimately come to your side. Because it's sad that it that's the way it has to be, especially for someone like me, where it's like, I really don't care about people's feelings in that way. But psychologically, you have to play to the strengths of what actually works. Doesn't mean that you have to lie because some people think that it involves lying. It's not. It's just giving them their catnip, but in a way that makes them understand that this change must happen. Because if you really think that this country is heading for fascism, and a lot of people do, you're looking at two men who are most likely fighting out in a primary that whoever wins is the next president. So that should give you a great deal of pause if you can hear all the signs about fascism and yet they are the most likely candidates who are going to win the presidency next year. And the Democratic Party is doing nothing to try to stop it. Oh, no, no, no. Nothing. See, I think you give them credit by saying that. I think the Democratic Party has caused it. We sure. know that neoliberal policies lead to fascism. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. That's what's happened. So we we've had we've done shows on this and the Democrats, especially the very we're talking about, like party leadership, centrist Dems, Normie Dems, the ones that think just voting for Joe was going to help us, the ones that will tell us that again, the, all of those people. It's like they really don't understand that that's not they're not solving the problem that way. Mm. They're just not. They're not solving the problem at all. And they can't win again. They just can't. That message is dying. It's not working again. I'm done with them.
I cannot in, in, envision a world where I'll vote for Joe. Yeah, it's um, I, it's unfortunate. It well, it's it's ludicrous. We deserve better. We do deserve better. Oh my God. <laughs> We don't deserve to be treated like this. They don't fight for it because they don't care about it. Joe doesn't give a crap about my my rights, my bodily autonomy. In fact, I would probably argue he probably is anti-choice. Oh, he's, he's Catholic. Right. Of course he's Catholic. So, so Pelosi. Right. They don't care about my my personal autonomy. Listen, it doesn't matter to them. Nancy Pelosi was asked, who is her favorite president? Do you know who she said? Ronald Reagan. Well, Joe Biden has been to the right of Reagan. Sure. So- We've the the Overton window has shifted in such a way that what was Reagan is now would be a moderate Democrat. That's that's where we are. That's where we, like this is it's absurd. Could you imagine just as an example? Because for the modern conservative movement, there are people who often will say that Ronald Reagan is at the level. At the level of an Eisenhower, Lincoln, or Teddy Roosevelt in terms of the history of the GOP. So that's somebody says that their favorite president, a Democrat, mind you, is Ronald Reagan. How do you think people on the political right would respond if Donald Trump said his favorite president was FDR? <laughs> do you think they would take kindly to that? It's like Democrats just, they, they really do just see, they, they got to vote for blue because they're so scared of the other people. Mm -hmm. And yet the other people, they're being fueled by the neoliberal policies that the Dems keep putting in. So they think that if we let's just say, for example, we say, OK, you're right. Let's Donald Trump is a fascist. We're not going to vote for him. We're going to support Joe yet again. We're going to just get in line and vote for Joe again. All you're doing is prolonging more neoliberal policies that are eventually going to the fascist side. You're not stopping it from happening. I, it, you're, in some ways, it's worse. Some ways probably better, but you're you're not changing the shift to the fascism. Nothing is going to change the shift to the fascism until until we have a labor movement. That's the only thing so that's going to fight against once fascism. Once again, are coming out with this, but you have to. But you don't have to do anything. I I. What you have to do is build an actual movement that can fight back against this, and the only thing that can fight back against this is labor. That's it. Yeah. There is nothing else. You're, you're going toward fascism either directly or indirectly with maybe a nicer messaging process. And you're still probably going to get there in the same oh, yeah. amount of time. Yeah. Well, that's a thing. It's just a different message. Correct. But it's the same, it's the same answer. So you should uh, you know. never, and I mean ever, feel physically ill about voting for someone. I do. Like it's ever. This is when I get where I've written in. I wrote in Mickey Mouse for Senator a few years, like few elections ago. Robin, if only it were so simple. Oh my God, I know. it isn't. Wait, look, I think, that, I think that that's where we're headed. And I hope that groups like Workers Strike Back eventually can sort of unite and build that kind of coalition. Groups I mean, like, like that's what I want. Groups like Workers Strike Back and groups like Climate Defiance need to be working together. They yes. need to be forming alliances yeah. and doing events together. See, that's when you can really make some serious change. Yeah. Because that's all labor right there. Big yeah. Time. And, and, you know, there's obviously a lot of shared grievances Absolutely. in those groups. But, yeah, no, I'd love a general strike. But it's almost so difficult to envision 
when we have no social safety net. You know, when you're in a place like France and you're striking, you don't not have health care. You don't not have you don't have to be living on the street. You have people in a lot of countries that live in what's government subsidized housing, but it isn't like um, it isn't like poverty and low income. It's just government subsidized housing and regular middle class people live in it. Like we don't have a social safety net in this country at all. So in order for people to strike, there has to be certain safety precautions taken in terms of massive amounts of money in strike funds, uh, you know, and not all organizations have that. And so it's just it's a huge risk. It is. And, and one of the really for me, what I think that killed Biden for me, really what did it was the railroad workers. Yeah, he sealed his fate. With that. that to me, for me, that was my last straw. And that was even pre Willow Project. But so I had already. And the fact that it was so politically calculated yeah. with the midterms, it was so nefarious I, in the worst kind of way. Like, and I'm the never fact getting that past there, that. And the fact that there were promise, promises made and they still stabbed him in the back. And yes, you could point the finger at AOC and the rest of them for either taking him at his word or running cover for him after the fact. But the fact of the matter is, the bu- as President yes. Truman said, the buck stops you. Yeah. He had an opportunity. He is still, he is, there are people who, st- you know, people used to always talk about how Donald Trump would abuse his power. He would do this, he would do that. And then all of a sudden, those same people turn around and say, he, he doesn't have the power to do, he is the most powerful man on earth. Truthfully. He can basically do whatever the he wants. Yes. And well, what's, um, what, what's fascinating is how on the one hand, so many people are so concerned with who I vote for, for president, you got to vote for Joe, which otherwise we're going to, but, but whatever, but yet they don't understand if that seat has so little power that Joe can't get anything done, but that he would want to get done. then who, what does it matter who's sitting there? So you can't have it both ways. You can't on one hand think, oh, that's such an important position. We have to vote for the right person. But then on the other hand, you think that they're not capable to get past the parliamentarian. See, I, that doesn't make sense to me. So you, you it's just, just it's remember, so- ladies, Just remember, ladies and gentlemen, you got the parliamentarian excuse in the first 100 days of his presidency. This is right after your January 6th nightmare that you can't stop talking about. And yet you still don't want to figure out why people got so enraged that they felt that they had to take over the government. It went downhill from there. The the mansion parliamentarian stuff really marks the beginning of the failure. Even of though the presidency. people were coming out saying that the president is a liar. Mm-hmm. The parliamentarian does not actually have this authority to stop it. They can suggest it. They can't stop it. But this idea that because the parliamentarian said, no, we can't. Do- if anyone, and I mean anyone, bought into that, you deserve fascism. And you, you deserve and you, 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 Yeah, you, <laughs> because that's just so ludicrous. So then he can't get anything done. Then why does it matter if, if he's there or not? Correct. Why, why does do- it matter? It doesn't matter if he this can't get no anything different. done. This is no different then the circumstance you're looking at right now with Thomas and Alito, what do you think those two old grumpy men are doing on the Supreme Court? They are simply either going to run out the clock and die, and that is the only way. Well, everyone a, does. And But here's my point. Okay. The only way that a Democratic president is going to appoint a Supreme Court justice ever again when it comes to a conservative judge is if they drop dead on the court. That's the only way. If a GOP president gets in there, whether it is Trump again or DeSantis, rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, both Thomas and Alito 
will retire and they will appoint two new justices because that's how the GOP plays. That won't that doesn't change their numbers, but they'll appoint way younger people. That's exactly. That's what they do. Don't think for a second yeah. that there is and if they ever use the Supreme Court as an excuse again, remember the words that I just said today. The only way that Alito or Thomas leave the bench with a Democratic president is in a box. And the only way that they're leaving when a GOP president is, is, is president is being appointed to step down and have a younger conservative get in there. Yeah. And that's it. Because they'll fall in line. Because that's how they play. They, yeah. They get they get in line. They go right for the throat. Well, they play they play with strategy. And they and the other thing, which is then when I get to people like with um, the fact that Obama didn't really have RBG retire, because, again, that was a misstep. That was a missed opportunity. It really was a missed opportunity and it was unnecessary. So when I see things like that and I know that people like Obama and RBG are extremely bright people, then that leads me to believe that either it was one just they didn't give a crap or it was just intentional. I mean, like you can't say it was overlooked. These are not stupid people. No. So then it's a choice. That's a choice. I, you know, I just I'm tired of excuses from these people like either they do or do not have power. Does the president have any power? Can the president not do anything? You better believe Bernie would have executed some type of First an economic days. populist plan to help this country significantly. He might not have ever gotten anything that he wanted through Congress, but everything that he could have done with executive order that would help people would be done. He absolutely would have had a positive impact on this country. Yeah. And it would have looked completely different in the midterms because remember, the significance of having Bernie as president is the significance of having the weight of the presidency of the United States helping out down ballot candidates running on his message. Yeah. Because the candidate like Hillary would never, ever have that happen. If there is one thing that I can assure you, Horrible. if Hillary Clinton had actually won the presidency oh. in 2016, the 2018 midterms would have made the 20, the 1994 midterms look like child's play. It would have been the reddest bloodbath that you can't even begin to imagine. Well, first of all, if Hillary had won, I, I'm convinced we'd be in, in a war in Iran. I believe, I think we sure. would be in a war specifically there, but in, and in who knows, however many other places. Um, so I have a lot of things like about that. But, you know, I tell people all the time, like any normie centrist people that were just so Bernie was too radical. Bernie was too left. We, we like kind of that were scared of that whole premise. And I remember so clearly saying, look, you're going to have Bernie or you're going to have Trump. And nobody believed me. And it's funny the amount of people that want to blame Bernie when, in fact, that's not the problem. He was the offering. We offered you, it's like, that was the compromise. That was the, and they're like, no, no, we're too stupid. We're too obtuse. We can't recognize this. We're, we're, we're just. And they're too privileged. Yeah. They just can't recognize this. So we're, we're going to, we're going to go with, yeah, thanks for that. And I love how though it's, it's interesting. Those people that voted for um, Hillary insist that people that supported Bernie are the problem when in fact, it's the complete opposite. Because even if you had gotten Hillary, we would be in such a, we would be in the same, if not worse situation right now. It would just be different. It would be a different trajectory, but it would be bad. Yeah. It would be Very bad. Hard. So yeah, I understand that. But like had Hillary Bernie had, won, 
we would be in the, it would be the better back to the future scenario. It yeah. would be the non-Biff We're in the Biff, scenario. We are in the Biff horrific future. We're in the Biff that's future. The, that's the tangent we flew. I, I can't and and it, we offered the alternative. That's how I, I feel. Think. I feel like the people who knew better offered the alternative. And you were all like, but, nah, but you know what? let's go with Biff. But even, but even with all of that said, you cannot deny that the amount of treachery that was employed Thank you so much, Omer. Thank you. Not even for I, I don't. Omer. I don't even the really, Omer show. Don't even recognize you, Omer. That I don't either. Please Send, email yeah. us. Maybe we can do a cross collaboration show. Mayor, yes. Drop a line. Generationalchange at gmail.com. Thank you so much for the contribution. All I see, IA. About time you showed up. <laughs> uh, we've been going for a while, and. You know, I want to believe that there is a, a positive future ahead and that we can make something happen. We're trying. But remember, guys, and never forget that the primary in 2016 was absolutely rigged. And there are many ways to prove it. Oh, many it's ways. been. I mean, oh, and it's so many different places and levels. It isn't like there's one specific thing that happened. It was mass across the board amounts Just of the fraud fact that you and actually and have a WikiLeaks email of the chair of the DNC. You know who she is sending an email to the head of MSNBC <laughs> saying, stop giving favorable coverage to Bernie and give better coverage to Hillary. There's nothing impropriety going on there, right? Well, this is what happens when you have corporate media anyway. It's the same people own the party that own the station. So it works. That's the only way we stop it. We're never going to stop it based on appealing to morality or common sense or reason. We're never going to stop it. The only way you can stop it is by cutting off the connection between the money and the and who our public servants are. That's the only way you can stop it. We're in Broward, guy. That's where we're located. <clears throat> And we're glad to have you. Make sure that you yeah. subscribe, click the bell, do all of those wonderful things that we humbly ask of you. We to do. cover, we do tend to, you know, we cover Florida stuff, obviously, but Florida is always such a fascinating, it's not like there's any shortage. Florida gets so much national coverage for the shit show that we are. Like, it doesn't really matter what, like whether we cover it up, but we tend to also talk about local stuff too sometimes. Um, but any issues, basically, um, something that I think that's important that we haven't covered that recently happened is there was recently that case that gave the Sackler family um, immunity, gave yeah. them immunity for uh, their crimes against humanity, um, which I disagree with entirely, obviously. Oh, and it was and, crimes against humanity. Uh, they, they, they should be in prison. Oh, that whole family should, should be, be in, in the prison. Gulag. Yeah. Yeah. But and and I would and I would also say that this is one of those things where while I am not saying that I don't support state sanctioned murder, I'm very anti-capital punishment. It's not something that I've ever supported. And but I you don't would make condone. an exception for the Sacklers. No, I wouldn't make an exception for the Sacklers. But what I would say is that if the Sacklers were responsible for the death of your loved one and you, I don't know, took matters into your own hands, you want me on your jury. That's what oh, I'm well, saying. that's a whole other story. No, because that's how I feel. I feel like people like that need to get what's coming to them. And I, I honestly, again, I am not a proponent of violence. Why are the Democrats so weak in Florida? We could tell three, you so many stories. Three words. Debbie Wasserman, Wasserman Schultz. Schultz. 
There's your answer. It's a big part of it. Big part of it. Big part of especially it. Especially down For many here. years. Especially yeah. down here. Yeah. Well, and you could argue even statewide from even just being in the state legislature, the gerrymandering that went on down here in the first place, um, just all of it. It's just all interconnected lists to the funk. So, and- it really is that the Democrats are so weak here. It isn't that Florida is such a red state. And I think it's very important to understand that, that, and I say it repeatedly, Florida is not a red state. Florida has been hijacked by a red legislature that is way to the right of the general population of our state. Okay, that's just the way it is. Florida is actually a pretty purple populist state. Um, and I, I'm pretty confident that we will pass our ballot initiative. Uh, we passed a $15 minimum wage. So Florida is not red. What it is, is that the Democrats are so bad here in so many ways that it sort of, it makes it look like it's red when in fact, most people are just have nowhere else to go. So it's really interesting because the same year that Trump overwhelmingly won, we passed our $15 minimum wage in that same election. Yeah. Um, so we know that Florida is populist. And I do believe that even in very rural parts of Florida, I do believe it's populist. It tends to be libertarian, but it isn't some big GOP or thing. That's more of a niche thing. But it's that the Democrats have no, they have nothing. They have no infrastructure. They have no leadership, not really. There's nobody really, the, the candidates that they put up are just, it's just not working. And at this point, one has to believe it's intentional. With that said, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Make sure you like, subscribe. Yeah, we got medical weed. And I, my understanding is that recreational just surpassed the amount of needed signatures and should be on the ballot in 24. Um, that is my understanding. I could be wrong if anybody knows otherwise, but so we should be getting a recreational weed uh, ballot initiative, Benman on the ballot. So that would be really good. Ronnie, we would love to have RFK on the podcast. And oh my God. I would so, love to have RFK on the podcast. And of course we would love to have Dr. West on the podcast. So. I don't know. After we'll the first time, I don't know. We'll see. I'm too stupid. <laughs> I honestly, I feel I, I, I am somebody who really does like to not be the smartest person in a room. Like I relish the idea of being around really smart, smart people. I do. But there are certain people where I just feel too stupid. And I feel like he is one of those people. I feel like I, I just feel stupid. <laughs> like I've got no, I've got nothing I could contribute to. I don't know. I just, he's special to also me. Also follow us on Instagram, a generational change, Jen Perlman on Facebook and generational change also on Twitter. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. This What's evening. happening on Wednesday? On Wednesday, we're working on it. We'll have, uh, we'll have, we'll have something. We'll have something. We'll have something. Just make you sure just you have to in. wait and see. Yeah, we can't promise you anything. It'll be my last show It'll in the Jen's studio. It'll be last show in the studio for about six weeks. So make sure that you tune in. We appreciate you all. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.